Hi, this is Brian Johnson. I'm about to have a productive conversation with Mike Vardy. Welcome to a productive conversation. It's me, Mike Vardy, and I am joined today by Brian Johnson. He's the founder and CEO of Heroic Public Benefit Corporation, and he's the author of Arete, Activate Your Heroic Potential. We talk about that book today. It's been a while since I've chatted with Brian, so it was a really, really great opportunity to catch up. I've gone through the book uh, more since the actual conversation that we had. It's big, it's deep, it's a lot of what we talk about here, both on the show, but also inside of my time crafting Trust Premium Community. A lot of the stuff that Brian gets into, I love. And we get into quite a bit of it during our conversation here today on the show. So I hope you enjoy it. Here's my conversation and a productive one at that with Brian Johnson. Brian, thanks so much for joining me for a productive conversation today. Mike, I am thrilled to be here for a productive conversation. So uh, I want to dive into the concept of the book that's coming out. I want to I want to hear you pronounce the word because some people say it one way. Some people, I mean, it's like the idea between saying tomato and p- tomato. You know, some yep. people pronounce it one way or the other. So, what is the name of the book, and why why is that the name of the book? What why is this word uh, such an important uh, such an important piece of what you're doing? Yeah, I like to pronounce it arate. It's debatable. I went to my uh, my go-to guy is a guy named Tom Morris, who's got two PhDs from Yale in philosophy and uh, religious studies. Literally wrote the book Philosophy for Dummies. He has granted me the uh, the blessing that Arate is in fact uh, in a proper way to pronounce it. But that's the name of the book. I got a tattoo Arate on my right forearm. I'm all in on it. I mean, it's the one word summation of my entire life's work. It's Aristotle's one word answer to how to live a great life. It's what the Stoics came back to again and again and again. And frankly, it's one of those words that I think um, we need to reintroduce into our cultural vocabulary. And it's a shame that it ever fell out of use. It's such a powerful word that captures so much of um, what I think it means to have a great life. So to answer the question, well, what does it mean? We translate arete as excellence or virtue. But it has a deeper meaning, something closer to expressing the best version of yourself moment to moment to moment. Idiosyncratically, you've got your style, I've got mine. But the basic idea, the way I like to describe it, in the first chapters of the book, I explain it like you're 10. I tell a story about my son and I walking on our little trail on our property um, when he was uh, going through a challenge. And I basically, I like to hold up a line about eye level and say, look, if you're capable of being this, but there's a gap and you're being this, a foot lower, you know, my hands kind of creating a gap there. You could be this, but you are being this. It's in that gap between who you could have been and who you're actually being, in which regret, anxiety, disillusionment, depression exists. If you can close the gap and express the best version of yourself, and live with arete, then you'll experience a deep sense of meaning, joy. The ancient Greeks called that eudaimonia, uh, which we translate as flourishing or happiness, but you just feel alive. So that's the essence of all of my work um, and why I tattooed my body with it, why the book is named that, et cetera. So it's interesting you mentioned that that you want to narrow that gap. You want to, I think a lot of people, when they, especially in the context of productivity and what we talk about here, and I'm a big believer in like productivity being broken and we, we're focusing too much on speed and not enough on depth, you know, that kind of thing. But 
the the interesting thing when you were talking about that was this idea of closing the gap. Is it something that people need to keep in mind that it's not a set it and forget it kind of thing? Because I think a lot of people, oh, yeah. I think a lot of people oh, go, dude. okay, I'm going to close that gap, and then it's forever, it's forever going yeah. to be that close. So let's dispel yeah. that myth a little bit. I think. It's a moment to 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 moment decision. And again, if you want to show up, you know, in your productivity, I love your show and the theme of your show, because you're talking about not just showing up powerfully at work, but also at home. Mm. So the way that we describe it is a good life comes down to three things. Of course, your work and your productivity, and of course, your home and your love and connection and relationships. But if your energy isn't where it needs to be, then you're not going to show up you know, powerfully in your work or your love. So we call that the big three, energy, work, and love. Um, but I think one, there's a couple of challenges to showing up powerfully from my vantage point. Um, first, you got to know the ultimate game. It's not chasing all the extrinsic fame, wealth, hotness things and all that stuff. And then the second challenge is it's not going to be easy and you're never going to get there. There's no there there. Yeah. As my coach, Phil Studd says, you're never going to be exonerated from pain, uncertainty, and hard work. So moment to moment to moment, we have a challenge to step up and express the best version of ourselves or not. And to the extent we let a lot of gaps come in in the day, those are the days we want to numb ourselves at the end of the day, whether that's binge drinking or binge watching or whatever it is you do. We all got our kryptonite. Yep. Um, so yeah, that's it's a really important point. Um, and then it becomes, it becomes fun. It's not a joyless chore that you're going through. It's no, no, no. What am I capable of? How do I show up as the best, most heroic version of myself? Um, and truly make it a game and use all the tips and tools and tricks that you teach and practices, um, to do something that you really enjoy. You feel great while you're doing it, et cetera. So an interesting follow-up, especially for people who deal with a lot of external forces right and they've and they have a hard time kind of uh steering clear or they get really loud you know like the expectations of others and things um i'll use this as an example energy makes perfect sense to me in a lot of ways i talk about it as one of the you know kind of attention paths you should use to kind of gear what you're going to do when you're going to do it kind of thing i'm a night owl the fact like this is the first thing where our conversation is the first thing i'm doing today uh you know because that's the way my body clock is wired but we live in a world that's kind of saying hey you know you be an early riser being a night like there's stigma and, and and that kind of thing associated with it so you end up not you know you're kind of directed to not listen to your natural body rhythms and instead you're like well i should get up early because that's what everybody else does i think what's interesting about arte is that it it is a i mean I've, I've, I know the phrase, uh, it's mentioned in, um, Robert Persig's book on quality. Um, it's been mentioned several times. My friend, David Sparks, he, he loves the, the, the term as well, but the world doesn't seem to gear itself towards that. It's, it's almost like we're a commodity in the cog, as opposed to, you know, being able to act as individuals within, within that. So when people are faced with that, you know, for, in, for lack of a term, reality or that that function. How do we keep them, or how do you keep them on the path that's going to get them to where they want to go and live in that fashion? Show up powerfully, yep. despite the fact that the world may have other ideas for them based on you know expectations, the way things are geared, yep. etc. Yeah, brilliant. It's interesting because this is literally objective one in the book. We've got seven objectives. We, we train coaches as well. And everything I do is around seven objectives. The first objective 
they're all important, but but the first one is you got to know the ultimate game. So we've been seduced to play the wrong game. So we think we need to chase, you know, the fame, the wealth, the hotness, the Instagram followers, the square footage in our house. And we know intellectually that that's absurd, that that isn't actually what we want. You know, in David Brooks's second mountain, right? You get to the top of the first mountain, you're like, wait, 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 this is it? I'm supposed to be happy here? Or Stephen Covey, you know, he tells us in Seven Habits, you, you climb up the ladder And often you get to the top of the ladder and realize you put it up against the wrong wall. Yeah. So the first most important thing to recognize is, well, what game are you playing? Because in a profoundly sick society, it's no measure of help to be well-adjusted to that society. And you want to get clear on what's actually important. And again, what all the great ancient wisdom teachers and what modern scientists tell us is it's intrinsic stuff. It's becoming a better person, deepening your personal relationships and making a contribution to your family, your team, your community. But it it sounds obvious and it is obvious and it sounds very simple and it is simple, but we got to step back just half an inch, you know, and see it and then architect our lives to play that game well. And then things start shifting and we look at it and say, all right, well, who am I at my best in my energy, in my work, in my love? What do I do? When I'm at my best, what virtues do I embody and what specific things do I do? Um, And really concretely, systematically build a protocol that we can rely on that sometimes, to your point, will go in the face of, if not almost all the time, how we've been kind of conditioned to show up. Um, And then to your point, you're going to have an idiosyncratic expression of you at your best. And, you know, if your rhythms are what your rhythms are, then that's perfect. Now, if people are blowing themselves up with technology until 2 a.m. or 1 a.m. and they're just wasting their life, to be blunt, and then they're waking up at 6 or 7, tired and exhausted and burned out and can't figure out why their life sucks, well, we want to have an honest conversation about that and say, look, you're watching pseudo heroes, whether it's in a reality TV show or a sports broadcast, maybe you should slow down and become the hero of your own life. And I'm intense in pushing people to to wake up. This isn't a dress rehearsal, but then architect your life on your terms, um, but do it with virtue, do it with excellence and do it consistently, um, which is a big part of um, my work as well is is, uh, this isn't a once in a while thing. Great. I love the um, art of motor, you know, the Persig Arte. It's moment to moment to moment again. Mm -hmm. You're always capable of something. Are you being that? Um, Again, never perfectly, but more and more consistently. Well, and I think the other thing about managing passwords can be a real headache, right? Think about it. Every website requires a new password. Each one needs to be unique, secure, and somehow memorable. But there's a better way. Welcome to the world of 1Password, where your entire company can generate strong, unique passwords, store them securely, and access them across any device without ever needing a reset. Imagine never having to click Forgot Password again. With 1Password's award-winning design, managing passwords becomes a breeze for you and your entire team. It's trusted by millions, including top companies like IBM and Slack. Here's the best part. My listeners can try 1Password for free for two weeks. Right now, get your free trial at onepasswordcom slash ProductiveConvo. Secure your passwords and simplify your online security with 1Password. Are you a small business owner struggling to find the right talent for your team? I've been there, and I know how challenging it can be. That's why I recommend LinkedIn Jobs. It's not just any job board. It's a community where you can find professionals who are the perfect fit for your business, many of whom aren't checking other job sites. 
In fact, 70% of LinkedIn users aren't visiting other leading job sites, making LinkedIn your best bet for finding top talent. With LinkedIn jobs, you can post your job and reach qualified candidates quickly. 86% of small businesses find a qualified candidate within 24 hours. And now you can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation. That's right, for free. Don't miss out on finding top talent. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation today. Terms and conditions apply. You know, why he brings that up in that book is because quality is so hard to define. Like it's such a, you know, he, he spent his entire life trying to like explain it. And he even, you know, when you read that book, you're like, he's still trying to figure it out. And the problem with, with, I think that some people will face is, and, and, you know, knowing the work that you've done in the past as well as, you know, and I've not had a chance to read the book yet, but I can't wait because I know that, you know, based on the work that you've done, that quality shows up. Like we, and the world is, loves to measure things, but they love to measure things in an objective way, right? Inbox zero, check off these boxes, right? Losing weight, right? No problem with that. But you, you know, the measurement shouldn't necessarily be the amount of pounds that you see on the scale. It should be what, you know, because, you know, that might not be telling you the entire story, right? And that's, so sometimes the, the quantity doesn't tell you everything. And quality is where I think more, we should live more. And, you know, that's definitely where you're, where you're going with, especially with Arte. But it's, it's hard because people, you know, when people think about productivity, when they think about like, I can't, I've got to make the most of my time. I've got to maximize my minutes. It's like, Mm, yes, but <laughs> to what end? And this is exactly what you're talking about. Like, what is the game you're trying to play? But let's, speaking of games, I remember listening to David Robinson and his son. They have a podcast called The Fundamentals. It's fantastic. It's a very short <laughs> series. And I'm a big San Antonio Spurs fan, mainly because of David Robinson. And one thing he said on that show, which has stuck with me, he says, in order to be great, you have to be great at The Fundamentals. And you've talked about the idea of life's fundamentals. So can we talk a little bit about the, the fundamentals, the life's fundamentals and how to get great or even dominate at, at, on those? Dude, let's go. Yeah. So then very quickly to get to, it's the sixth objective of my book. So mm-hmm. I'm all about the, the fundamentals. So objective one is you got to know the ultimate game. Objective two is you forge anti-fragile confidence, the opposite of fragility. I, I talk about that a lot. It's my favorite subject, frankly. The way you do that is, you know your protocol and you execute it, especially when you don't feel like it. Right. Longer chat. Objective three is you optimize the big three that we talked about, energy, mm-hmm. work, and love. The objective four is masterpiece days. You make today a masterpiece, not someday, not New Year's resolutions, New Day's resolutions. Then objective five is you master yourself, the art and science of behavioral change installing, deleting habits, all that stuff. But then objective six is dominate the fundamentals. Eating, moving, sleeping, breathing, focusing are the five I focus on. And I kicked that 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 objective off with a chapter on John Wooden. So I went to UCLA, love that you love the Spurs. I live in Austin, so they're right down the street. And I'm just showing the Ted go. Lasso Funko Pop that I have because if you're if if the video's out, you're seeing that because Ted Lasso, the Pyramid of Success, is on Ted Lasso's wall in the Ted Lasso show, which is comes from John Wooden. So brilliant, yeah. brilliant. All right, so then John Wooden, I kick off the, the the chapter on dominating the fundamentals. Why should we dominate the fundamentals? Well, here's a couple. Here are a few metaphors. One, if you want to see how tall a building is going to be, look at how deeply they're digging the foundation. 
If you're in a, you know, a single story house, perfect. You don't really need one. Just get a slab and put it up. You want to build a skyscraper, you have to dig deep. Your fundamentals, your foundation matters. And then John Wooden, you know, greatest coach in history, according to many, go UCLA Bruins, 10 championships in 12 years, some 88 game winning streak, absurd. Best coach of the era of history had the best athletes come to his program at UCLA before he would let them touch a basketball. He would teach them the most fundamental act of a basketball player, which is how to put on their socks. He'd personally do it. Here, boys, this is how you do it. Get it over your toes, pull it up over your heel, pull it up nice and snug. Why would they do that? Why would they do that together? Obviously, if they if they couldn't do that, they might get bored. Might, you know, miss a little practice time, they wouldn't perform as well. But the idea that the most basic fundamentals are the most important is, is such a powerful concept. The professionals, the world-class performers get that. The amateurs, the kind of mediocre performers think they can get to a point where they can ignore it. And there's something powerful about identifying what your idiosyncratic fundamentals are, which again is the whole point of my work is, uh, and the practical way to do this is, Get out a piece of paper, and on the piece of paper, draw a line down the middle, and on the left, put do, and on the right, put don't. And then think of the things you do when you're at your best, whether it's the most productive version of yourself, energized, connected, et cetera. You do certain things when you are at your absolute best, and you don't do other things when you're at your best. Those do's are your basic fundamentals. And a great life is getting clarity on that, executing those, never giving up your gains. If you've done it in the past, why aren't you doing it right now? You know, and make your prior best your new baseline is how Josh Waitzkin brilliantly puts it. Um, and that's that's literally, that's it right there. You've already done it in the past. We just need to get you to more consistently do it. And then your life just takes on this totally different meaning, moving from burnout um, to feeling more energized, more productive, more connected. But anyway, long answer to your short question. It's all about the fundamentals, right? Those basic, unsexy, mundane things we want to do um, relentlessly if we want to have a shot at truly actualizing our potential. And and you'll notice, really, none of them are independently related to work. They're universal, right? Focusing isn't just focus on work. Focusing is focusing in general, right? It's like, that's why I don't like the term work-life balance. Just throw the word balance, throw the adjective out, like just balance, right? Like, I mean, because yep. we live in, a, I mean, we live in a world that it's, it's, there's integrations between the two at this point, right? You know, remote, yep. you know, distributed workforce, all that stuff. But it's fascinating when I look at those fundamentals that none of you couldn't say, well, that's related to work. None of them are. They're all related to all of it, which is, which is, Amazing. Fascinating to me. Um, what's the seventh? Uh, the seventh, the yeah, seventh one. Let's get into that. The seventh is, yeah, the seventh is to activate your superpower. And I want to come back to that because that's so sure. powerful. The seventh is activate your superpower. I call it soul force. So if you think of your favorite heroes, like who who are your favorite heroes? Oh, if green, I ask you, all right, Green Lantern. Who do you admire? Green Lantern. Are you talking about like superheroes? Or are you talking oh, cool. About like yeah, yeah. Fictional is cool. Sure, like sure, any sure. any historical figures or those. Yeah, in their I mean, life? I'm a I'm a. Ooh boy, there's there's lots of uh, you know. I mean, I'm looking around my my study here. I've got a few. Uh, again, a fan of Pressfield. Stephen Pressfield, I think, is a yeah. fan. You know, love his work. Um, gosh. Um, I mentioned David Robinson. I loved his. Yep. Uh, yeah, there you I, go. There Perfect. you go. I mean, he he's a guy. Just to give you a quick context around it, um, it, it and he actually had the right culture fit too because he finished 
college and then was drafted by the Spurs. But Naval Academy. Yeah, I mean, he, he lived didn't up, go anywhere. He, he lived up to Naval Academy. He yeah. did. He did. And he lived up to <clears throat> excuse me. He lived up to his obligation. And the Spurs, in to their credit, drafted him knowing full well that they would do that. And what I loved about just the way he carried himself, not just on the court, but off the court. So yeah, that, let's go with, let's okay. go with him. So, so what David Robinson goosebumps has, and Stephen Pressfield has, that's expressed in his work. You, mm-hmm. you read a Stephen Pressfield book, whether it's his nonfiction stuff, War of Art, et cetera, or his fiction, you feel his soul force. Right. When you think of David Robinson, you feel a moral charisma that he has. My heroes on my wall, I've got Gandhi, Marcus Aurelius, uh, my own kids, but I, I've got when we think of our heroes, they're all different. David Robinson's is, you know, what is he, 7 1 or something yep. like that? It is insane. You know, he's different than a Gandhi who is different than a Churchill. And Churchill and Gandhi, two of my heroes, didn't even like each other. No. One's poorly talked all the time, the other's frail and would take days off of talking. But they both had soul force. They had a moral charisma about them because they were living in integrity with their highest ideals. If they're in a room, you feel their presence. So what I like to say is if you if you execute the objectives one, two, three, four, five, six, and you activate your own soul force, that's what we need. You're the hero we've been waiting for, and people will feel it. You'll feel it. Your family will feel it. Your team will feel it. Um, that's the seventh objective. Um, and then to go back to the fundamentals briefly, sure. I have work fundamentals as well. So my okay. work fundamentals, I start every day recommitting to a sacred vow I made. We happened to make history, crowdfunding history, raised $5 million from our community, the first ever to do it. I have 3,000 investors from 75 countries. Before I signed the documents to make it official, I drafted a vow, like I did when I got married to my wife. And every morning I recommit to that vow, that I'm gonna practice my philosophy and serve them and make them proud. Do my best, I'm gonna make mistakes, but I'm gonna do my best. Takes me 10 seconds to reread it and recommit to it. Then I'm creative, before I'm reactive. I will never turn on my phone to check email or read texts until I have done the most important thing for the day. That's a fundamental. And I like to joke, I get more done by the time most people get up than I used to do in a whole week. Because now I'm energized, I've got a good night of sleep, I'm showing up and I'm doing the most important thing that day. Um, And then the third fundamental practice I have is I end my day. Pressfield talks about this in his most recent book. The office is closed, he says. Cal Newport says, shut down complete. So I end my day. It doesn't flood into the rest of my night. I don't check my email two minutes before I go to bed. Um, I'm shutting down 30, 60, 90 minutes, two hours before I'm going to bed, two hours when I'm doing it right. I'm spending time with my kids. I'm turning my brain off. um, And that's a fundamental practice. And then I've got a number of other ones. But the basic idea is it's hard to have a bad day. When you've taken the time to get clarity on who you are and what you do at your best, energy, work, and love, and you do it. But you make it easy to win, but you do it. Well, you know? and even if you do have a bad day, which happens, those bookends, because I have a morning routine and an evening routine as well that are very, very clearly defined. There's not too much to it. Like, I love how you didn't say there's like 43 steps, because that's where it'll fall apart. There's like three yep. and three, right? Like, at the end of the night, yep. I will I will journal I will close that. Like I will, that's the last thing I do. And then I do have my own study down in the basement and yes, I shut the door. Like I leave and I shut the door and, uh, and I need to do that because I'm not good in the mornings. So by setting, I set myself up the night before and then I can start my day in the best way possible. Right. Which means, so for me, the most important work doesn't get done first thing in by its grand definition, 
but the most important work based on what I can offer at that time of day does. So that's, yeah, and, yeah. And so the, the nuance is I think really important, which you've, you've brought up, um, which to me, I, it's just, it's interesting that people, number one, most people, when I talk to them, they don't have an evening or a shutdown routine. They don't, which is, and, and to circle back to what I was saying, if you have a crap day, you at least know that it will end because you have an yeah. end to it. <laughs> and so the bookends are brilliant because they actually allow you to, you know, they're the certainty around the uncertainty. And if they're, yeah. if you've got enough, you know, kind of gumption and power behind them, which you do, then the likelihood of crap going sideways that you have control or command over is much lower because you've kind of set yourself up both at the beginning and at the end. So that's, that's, yeah. that's to me, like you said, that's fundamental. A hundred percent, the AM and PM bookends. And then, um, you're going to have highs and lows to state the obvious. We're never going to get to a point where it's all just, yeah, let's go. Um, but the highs get higher and the lows get higher and truly going off the rails where the circus comes into town, you wake up, you know, a day or five or 10 or 50 later and you're like, where'd my life go? Like when you get clear on who you are at your best and you do it, especially when you don't feel like it, your life changes. That That's the essence of objective too. Because most people, when life hits them hard, what do they do? M me, at my less than enlightened states as well, and all of us, of course, we do the stupid things, the vicious things, not the virtuous things. So if you can reverse that, and if when you feel the worst, as my coach, Phil Stutz, who actually works with the guy who produces Ted Lasso, yep. is in the Netflix documentary called Stutz. Which is great. Right? I've, I've watched, we'll link to it in the oh, show notes. Yeah, I've, I watched oh, it right when it on. came out. It was really good. And I mean, there's a lot of stuff in there that I just was like, yes, this resonates, this resonates. I didn't know he worked with Bill Lawrence. That's who you're talking about, right? Who the guy yeah, who created yeah, Ted Lasso. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. he, yeah. So Phil's just a national treasure. If you haven't watched the documentary, you don't mind some F-bombs, check it out. He's awesome. I've worked with him 400 one-on-one -on -one sessions. Wow. He wrote the forward to the book. Um, he's my spiritual father, and we talk about him a lot in the book, and brilliant. One of the things he taught me is something called emotional stamina. You know, he said, hey, you got a lot of emotional stamina at the end of one of our first chats. I'm like, I have no idea what that is, but thanks. Next chat, what's emotional stamina? And he says, well, you can endure a lot of ambiguity and, and hardship, et cetera, without kind of going sideways. And the way you can do that more and more um, consistently is the worse you feel, the more committed you need to be to your protocol. Now, most people don't have a protocol. And when they're feeling bad, they go off the rails. And, and again, they don't come back. But we want to get clear on our protocol, which is the do and don't simplified. Yep. Um, and then we want to remember the worse we feel, the more committed we are. I call that anti-fragile confidence, where you build the trust in yourself, which is what true confidence is. And it's life-changing. You even get two, three, five percent better at that. Everything changes. And then it is hard to have a really, really, really bad day when you know the three things you do in energy, work, and love. And you do them especially after you have an off day. It's again, it's difficult to capture the power of that, but everything changes. And that because I the moments that used to make you go off the rails and spiraling out become the moments that catalyze you to be the next best version of yourself, then you're anti-fragile. Well, you and, get stronger yeah, when and, life hits you hard. And I think that to your point, the, the challenge for most people, um, and I'm being general here, is they don't feel like they have the time to sit down and do the stuff that the, the front end work. Yeah. yeah. So, so my playful, my playful response to that is let me follow you around for a day. Yeah. Let me see if I can find five, 10, 15, 20, yep. 30 minutes yep. out of your, out of your unbelievably perfectly productive day. And again, I say that playfully, but sure. intensely, 
But the reality is someone is following you around. And this is what the ancient Greeks and Stoics would call your daimon. There's a, there's a part of you, and Maslow says the same thing, that is keeping track of every single thing you do. And he says every single violation of you not being your best self registers. It makes an imprint in your consciousness. Now, goosebumps, I say that. And that's Maslow, self-actualizing you know, individual. Someone's paying attention. And you know, and again, this stuff isn't complicated. Yeah. My job is to kind of, you know, shake you a little bit, maybe not you, but one, you no, know, no. <laughs> myself, you know, yeah. all right, come on. Like, again, this isn't a dress rehearsal. You know so much more than what you can do. And to put a fine point to the broad exercise, do and don't. Then the, the challenge is circle. The number one thing that you could be doing, that if you started doing it, it would most change your life. And then circle the number one thing that you know you need to stop doing, that if you stop doing it, would most change your life. I do that all the time. Anytime I get a little wobbly or anytime I want to go next, next level, I slow down, ask myself that question. And then, you know, you develop the discipline to do it more consistently. Again, not perfectly, but um, yeah, it's uh, it's fun. But, but, you know, that I don't have time. God bless you. Yeah. Uh, you do. Well, you have to. Yeah, you have sorry. to kind of like, it's the same thing with journaling. When people say, oh, I don't have time to journal. I'm like, well, you, did you go on social media today? They're like, yeah. I'm like, well, then you yeah. have time. They're like, what do you mean? I'm <laughs> like, you just journaled for the whole world though. Like journal for yourself instead of for the whole world. I, I've actually said to people, I'm like, if people spent more time journaling the thoughts that they had that they needed to get out instead of posting them on Facebook or Twitter or whatever, or X, I guess, uh, social media would be probably a much better place to hang out <laughs> because we get a lot of yeah. just like the breath. But that's the thing is that I don't have time. There is time. You just got to, you know, you, it's, it comes down to, again, the soft or not soft, but the the um, the qualitative elements of like prioritization and, you know, yeah. again, getting clear and sitting. I mean, I take retreats every year, a personal retreat where this is the kind of stuff that I sit down because when you're on your own in a place and you do it in a place where you are literally going to do that, you you can't escape it and you've set yourself up. It's, it doesn't take a lot to set yourself up to do this kind of stuff. And the fact that you've got like a handbook, you know, basically not just that, but your community, which we'll touch on as we wrap up here, but you've got this book that's going to help people go through that process. So they, they've got a manual to a degree. They just need to, again, like you said, the idiosyncratic stuff, that's where they need to figure out, okay, how do I take this and, and work with who I am? And who I, who yep. I truly, truly am so that I can be, uh, you know, so that when I'm doing stuff, it's leading me to who I want to be instead of just doing stuff for the sake of doing stuff. Yeah. And Covey had a great frame for that as well, briefly. You know, those of us who say we don't have time, we all do that. I mean, it's, I'm being playfully intense right now, but of course we all have that story. But Covey says, look, imagine you're out in a forest and someone is, is sawing down a tree. And they're working and working and working. And it's very obvious to you that their saw is dull. The blade is dull. So you suggest to them, you know, I think you may want to step back and sharpen the saw. I think you'd be more efficient and effective in your work. And they say, of course, I'm too busy to slow down to sharpen my saw, to which we say, don't be that guy. It's like driving. If you're feeling burned out and enervated and you're driving, well, your, your fuel tank is almost gone. You don't have time to stop at the gas station. You don't have time to stop reflect and figure out who you are at your best and start shaping your life more consciously. Perfect. You're going to, you're going to have to stop at some point, whether that's in a hospital or that's in a, 
wherever else you're going to be. And now's the time, you know, and it's, it's simultaneously willingness to embrace that I think is so important. Um, yeah, again, we could talk about that for a weekend. Oh, and we didn't get into things like willpower and discipline and, and, you know, the, uh, there's so much there, but I want people to pick up the book, which literally as this episode dropped, just came out. So the book is called Arate Activate Your Heroic Potential. Brian, where can, not only where can people, where can people pick up the book, but where can they, you've got a community which I'm in as well, um, that, you know, I think would be worthwhile for people to check out as well. So share where the people can pick up the book and where they can uh, check out more about you and the community you've built. Yeah, thanks, Mike. Uh, Amazon, Canada, and the U.S., and then everywhere books are sold. Um, you can pick up the book. You can learn more about it at heroic.us slash book. Um, and then my company is called Heroic Public Benefit Corporation. Um, we're building an app actually with a, a Vancouver-based product development firm built it, MetaLab, the same company. Oh, I, they're that built- actually based here in Victoria. So I know Andrew. Yeah. I know Andrew oh, and right, the cool. team there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, we love them. So, so you know, they they helped build Slack, Tinder, Uber Eats, Elon Musk's new business, Neuralink. Um, they helped us build the Heroic app, which is a social training platform. So it's got a lot of elements of a Facebook where you can connect with people who are in the conversations like this without all the toxicity. And it brings all the stuff we talked about into a really practical, systematic way to help you get clarity on your protocol, uh, who you are at your best, energy, work, and love. And then you hit targets every day that are in integrity with the fundamentals we discussed. Um, but yeah, heroic.us, US, um, and then uh, slash book, but Amazon, all the other um, places you'd expect. Brian, this has been great. It's been far too long since we've had a productive conversation. I'm glad we took the time to do it today. Me too. Thanks for having me, Mike. Great chat. Thanks to Brian for joining me on the program today. You can check out all of the relevant links and show notes either in the app you're using right now to listen to this program or at productivityist.com slash podcast 501. If you are listening to this on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, just hit the subscribe button. That's one way to support the show. That way you won't miss a single episode of what is to come. And it can also easily search through the archives in the over 500 episodes that we have produced to date. Another way to support the show is to check out the sponsors that you heard during the conversation today. Go to productivityist.com slash podcast sponsors to check those sponsors out. That way, when you check them out and you visit them and you take part or uh, sample their wares and their services, they know that we sent you. That's it for this episode of A Productive Conversation. Until next time, I'm Mike Vardy, the host of A Productive Conversation, reminding you to stop doing productive and start being productive. See you later.